Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Alexa via TuneIn, and you can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com. Follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, and make sure to vote for the podcast on the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards. There are three categories you can vote for the podcast, questions 8, 9, and 10. Basically, podcast of the year, geek of the year. I forget what the tenth, the third one is, but questions 8, 9, and 10. The link will be in the description below, so make sure to click on through to that. On this week's episode, it is jam-packed with movies that run the gamut from high points of the Seattle International Film Festival to movies that... Um, are not the high point of any festival. <laughs> uh, joining me on this adventure is going to be the one and only Jed. Welcome back. Thank you, John. You're my geek of the year. Ah, oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, make sure to vote for the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards <laughs> uh, because I do not believe you until you actually voted. Oh, you, I voted for you in my heart. Mm, does not count. <laughs> uh, so the aforementioned movies that we're going to be reviewing on this week's episode... Two movies from the Seattle International Film Festival that I can finally talk about. Yay! Uh, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, directed by Gus Van Sant and starring Joaquin Phoenix, Beth Ditto, uh, Jonah Hill, Jack Black, a bunch of people. And then Eighth Grade, directed by Bo Burnham, uh, starring Elsie Fisher. Next, we'll be on to the other movies, like the big blockbuster, two big blockbuster movies, I should say. <laughs> One being Skyscraper. Actually, no, that is the only big blockbuster. Yeah, I wouldn't know if... Yeah. Unfriended. <laughs> yeah. So Skyscraper starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Who? Unfriended, right, Unfriended Dark Web. Mm-hmm. Rounding out the episode <laughs> is a movie that I mentioned, oh gosh, a month or so ago, at least a month ago. Yeah, about that. Uh, a studio sent it to me. It looks terrible. I made the mistake of mentioning, to, mentioning it to Jed oh, and yeah, he was a- like... Oh, we have to watch that now. <laughs> we are watching that. So we watched Jurassic Dead mm-hmm. slash Z-Rex mm-hmm. slash, I think there was a third yeah. name for the movie when I Googled <laughs> it. So yeah, so it will definitely be interesting. Uh, before we get into any of that, we of course have to go to the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that was the dubstep version. Uh, definitely not. I hope Damien never makes a dubstep version of... Damien, make a dubstep version. The, the, that theme song, that would be... That would not be good. Uh, okay, so just a couple geek items right off the top of the show. Uh, Robin Williams. There's a new documentary that's actually dropping on Monday, July 16th. So by the time this episode airs... Make sure to go and check that out. It premiered at the Sundance Film Festival to rave reviews. It is up against some stiff competition already when it comes to documentaries. Want to be my neighbor is like I have been saying it for months. Yeah, it is going to win the best documentary at the yeah, Oscars. Why you even mentioned it? You don't really like that movie, much. <laughs> right? It was not you know one of my top three movies <laughs> of the year. Uh, Whitney 
like mm-hmm. that documentary. But yeah, this one, I started hearing buzz about this way back at Sundance. So it is dropping on HBO or has already dropped on HBO. So I will be reviewing that next week because I did not get a screener of that after <sighs> Sundance. Shame. Rude. Uh, but yeah, so I'm excited for that. It is called Robin Williams Come Inside My Mind, which especially knowing what we know of Robin Williams and his battles with depression mm-hmm. and substance abuse that is a mind I am not sure I would want to go inside. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely, he's such a conflicted individual, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, he was a comedic genius. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the true, uh, Pelle, uh, the the clown, Pelle, uh, Pagli- Pagliacci. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. It, the sad clown. Exactly. Like, that is kind of Robin Williams to a T, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it should be really interesting. So definitely, uh, I will be reviewing that on next week's episode. Uh, the next bit of geek news, Zombieland 2. Starts yeah. filming in January of 2019 with an August or October. Tallahassee's back. <laughs> 2019. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Never mind. The movie is canceled uh, <laughs> because Florida is a madness place. Oh, my gosh. Ah, yes. Uh, so, yeah. It has the original cast coming back. October 2019 will be the 10-year anniversary of the wow. first Zombieland, which is weird. Like, it really does not feel like it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, starring Jesse Eisenberg before he went crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I mean he was really good in that movie, and then I just and Woody Harrelson before he went uh, off the deep end. He always has been though. That's like, true. He's always been a character. Yeah, I I'm I'm not too worried about that one. Yeah, but yeah. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, uh, the first Zombie Land I think was one of the rare kind of cross cultural cross demographic movies that people really liked that kind of mix things up because i mean yeah it was a zombie movie Mm -hmm. but it knew it was a zombie movie that is something a lot of zombie movies do not do oh totally and it bothers me (laughs) so john i want to get your prediction in now Mm -hmm. who do you think is going to be the surprise celebrity cameo you know Mm. the bill murray from last time yeah yeah uh if it is going by cameos someone who did a really good cameo last year that was actually his best movie of last year because the rest of his movies are trash uh, Matt Damon. That was going to be mine. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think either Matt Damon or like maybe Brad Pitt. Yeah. They're both like popping up in a couple of little random cameo. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think that would be pretty awesome. I mean, Matt Damon cameoed in Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. And so, Brad Pitt. Oh, no. Uh, Brad, uh, Brad Pitt was in Deadpool yes, 2. Yeah. Matt Damon was in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Matt Damon was also in Deadpool 2, though, as one of the hillbillies. Oh, you're right. You're right. A lot, along with uh, Alan... Alan Tudyk. Yes, yeah. yes. So, I mean, that that would just make sense because he has been just doing random stuff like that. Well, you know. So, but man, his movies last year were trash. <laughs> oh, God, they were bad. Uh, but yeah, so I'm excited for that. Deadpool 2, the... Speaking of. I forget the, uh, what they're calling it, like the ultimate edition, whatever. Mm-hmm. comes out on DVD and home release. Oh, my, home release. How old am I? <laughs> it's still like the sound of my childhood. VHS. Right. The sound of my childhood is still coming soon to home video. Oh, man, that takes me back. I can see that image of my, like, anyway, so that it comes out August, I think, 21st on DVD and Blu-ray and all of that. There is rumored to be a scene that was, I mean, the actor confirmed that he shot the scene, whether or not they include it or how much they include it. But Omega Red is going to be in a scene right. at some point. That will be amazing. Which is the who's the actor playing? It was actually uh, he plays for the Jets. Like oh. he is not an actor. He is just a giant dude. Oh, okay. okay. So he actually put up a picture of himself on Instagram, like with huh. the tattoo or 
technically brand. Uh, the Soviet brand on his forehead with some prosthetics on. Weird. So, like, they put it up and he was like, I shot for 21 days. He was like, we're not really sure huh. how much they use. It, it very well could be something yeah. at the facility where he is just kind of there. Right. But it is interesting because Omega Red, technically the the collar that he would be wearing mm-hmm. would not necessarily be working because his mutant power and his adamantium tendrils are not necessarily mutation. <laughs> uh, I mean, similar to what they did with, with Juggernaut, like his collar does not make any sense. Right. Juggernaut is not a mutant. Well, he, he is not a mutant. He is and he isn't. No, 100%. He do, is not do, a mutant. Do we really want to go down this nitpicky road? The band, like, he yeah, has he a, gets, the gems of, the gem of Sidorak, the yes. same thing that Dr. Strange has with yep. the crimson bands of Sidorak, which there he you binds go. Thanos with. Yep. He himself yep. is not a mutant. He gets his, pa- he is magical. He is not a mutant. His size and his size comes from the gem of Sidorak. He is a norm. He was a normal person before he found the gem. Fair 100%. Enough. Well, that's assuming that they go with that. I mean, he talks about it a little bit in the movie. He does talk about it a little bit. So They've in changed the movie, a few things. Who knows? But even so, if he took off the collar and he was affected by it, then his size would go back down. Right. So. And he was big at the facility. Exactly. You know, they, so, he was big, strong. So what was the collar doing? Right. Nothing. Anyway. So uh, <laughs> that was the Crimson Bands of Cinerac talk. <laughs> Join um, us next week on Crimson It was pretty Band. awesome, though, in... Infinity War when mm-hmm. Doctor Strange like he actually used the Crimson Bands of Sidorak. Oh yeah, that was pretty dope. I mean, Doctor Strange in Infinity War was phenomenal. Well, it was great to see like him kind of like, actually do the, some stuff. Yeah, take the leash off a little bit. Yeah. You know, not firecracker kung fu like <laughs> in, in Doctor Strange. I want to wave my hand to make a circle. Yeah. I want to make another circle. I've got two circles now. Pretty much. Come at me, bro. So, <laughs> but yeah. So Omega Red at some point in some way is probably going to be in the DVD. In the Ultimate Edition DVD. I mean, knowing Ryan Reynolds and all that, it's probably going to be some really just really stupid, probably funny, but basic. Probably make some Russian joke. Ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Easy. Yeah, that, that would there be an easy one to make. A Russian Putin joke. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Topical. For sure. Uh, <laughs> so, speaking of movies that uh, I will not say that we do not need. So, the Fast and the Furious mm-hmm. franchise, which continues to make billions of dollars... Uh, they're they're doing their first spinoff movie, starring The Rock <laughs> and Jason Statham, which needed to be made. I mean, based questions on... are needed to be answered, John. <laughs> I guess the question is, how is Han part of the family? And Tim even brought this up. I think it was on Twitter. Han is now just part of the family. Whatever. Right. He murdered one of your friends. Yeah. Th- th- this might explain that, right? I so guess, I don't know. Uh, who knows? But The Rock and Jason Statham were kind of the best part of right. the last movie. So I'm not complaining. They're getting their own spinoff movie, uh, but the big news about that, we all knew that was going to happen. The villain has been cast in this Fast and Furious spinoff movie, <laughs> Idris Elba. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like, you are a legitimate, fantastic actor. You do not need a paycheck like this. So either his agent was like, all right, we need to branch out and get you away from some drama stuff. Because even in Thor... Mm-hmm. Like, he is still dramatic. Oh, yeah. Actor in that. It's kind of like, he's like the one serious, like, Thor, yeah. help me. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to make this joke about stabbing vampires. All right. <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, do whatever you want. You just, Elba, yeah. you are fantastic. I will watch it. I was planning on watching it anyway because it is going to be a trash movie. <laughs> but now that he is in it, I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, you t- those three actors right there, and as much as we'll talk about later with the rock and mm-hmm. you know, his movie choices. They're still fun. Come they on. are. They are. And I, it's fast and the furious. 
it is <laughs> and, and spin off are they driving like jet skis or this is this still cars what are we talking mm, here hover bikes Ooh. um that would be pretty sweet all right i'm going to go with moped no, no the hoverboards the like the two the ones you, with the wheels yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah. yeah, I think that's going to be the Fast and the Furious. They have like souped up ones of those oh, with like under lighting lifts. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope not. What I do hope for in this just movie, rock standing on one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> is I want Jason Statham and Idris Elba to have a legitimate fight mm-hmm. and a fight that is well choreographed. Jason Statham, people kind of forget legitimate black belt in Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. Like when you watch his older movies and you see him fighting, you're like, oh, yeah, he can actually do this stuff. A lot of times they just focus the choreography way too tight. Yeah. And you cannot see it. They're doing a lot of jump cuts and fast movement. Just take that camera back 10 feet and just let them fight. Idris Elba did a whole series of when he went to Muay Thai or when he went to Thailand. Mm-hmm. He studied Muay Thai. He went to Japan, studied martial arts there. Like, he learned how to fight. Yeah. Jason Statham is a legitimate martial artist. Yeah. Like, give those to a fight. The Rock. Hey, he, he, he is, knows a thing or two about fighting, I think. Does he? Well, enough. Yeah. He'd have to rock bottom somebody. Which apparently, you had to, you had to point it out to oh, me. Yeah. yeah, sorry. In Skyscraper, <laughs> spoiler alert for a fight in Skyscraper. As we were watching Skyscraper, Jack kind of turns to me and he was like, rock bottom. And I was like, what the hell is that? And he was like, it's one of... And I was it's like, oh, finish, okay. It's the rock's finishing move. I thought his thing was the put his head on the shoulder. The What? You're, no. Oh, you're thinking the stunner. You're thinking Stone Cold Stunner. Okay. But the rock, like, what was rock bottom? He just, like, lunged at the guy. It's, he picks him up and, like, kind of slams him on his back, basically. Ah. Uh, he did that, and then he had the people's elbow, which would right, right, do right. The, okay. the, all the motion, swing the arms, throw the uh, the elbow pad, throw the sunglasses. Oh, there, there's multiple. Oh, parts. you people's elbow is the uh-huh. spirit bomb of the WWE. So it takes 15 minutes yep. to load up. <laughs> exactly. And it, it, it's, it doesn't look that impressive, but it's mm-hmm. charged by the energy. Uh, okay. See, this is, the people this is in the all stadium. I need. Yep. There you go. I need WWE references yep. by way of Dragon Ball Z references. Oh, I, I can go all day. And it will make sense to me. We got, we got Brock Lesnar right now. He's basically Broly. Okay. And Broly is actually coming back yep. in uh, the new Dragon Ball Z series. He yep. actually, they're making that movie canon. So, uh, see, see if we, there you if go. Really, it's, I, all right, I, I can make sense of Aha, it Tim, sometimes. you owe me one. <laughs> right. Calling you out. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> uh, yeah, so Idris Elba is going to be in the new Fast and the Furious spinoff movie set to come out next year or something. Who knows? Sure. Who yeah, why not? Which of them is going to punch a torpedo in this one, though, <laughs> is the big question. Hopefully all. All yeah. of the above. They just kind of round robin it, just punch it to each, each other <laughs> to keep it going in a circle. Who knows? Uh... <laughs> And yeah, that that was all the the geek news for for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because uh, I was kind of unprepared for this episode because <laughs> this has been a crazy week. I just showed up at John's house and was like, <laughs> "Right, we're recording something." Like what? <laughs> Off to the studio. Come with me, Marty. <laughs> so yeah, so that was it for the geek news. So the first review of the episode is going to be "Don't worry, he won't get far on foot." Now this is a biopic about John Callahan, who is a cartoonist and kind of activist, unintentional activist in his work. Mm -hmm. So he became paraplegic at the age of 21 after going on just a huge bender with, I mean, played by Jack Black's character in the movie, but they never really mentioned him in his book. He was just one of the guys that he was bar hopping with. You see them in this movie 
they they portray the alcoholism and depression and substance abuse in one of those like uh not not painful ways but you are watching it happen and it is just it is very visceral and real mm. um and you just see the downward spiral so they go out one night just drink forever get into a horrible car crash john callahan becomes paraplegic jack black's character essentially walks away from it literally and figuratively mm-hmm. walks away from it because of that his substance abuse john callahan's substance abuse gets even worse and he goes on and on but through this he becomes this cartoonist using a very kind of innovative yet what some could view as kind of rudimentary artistic design because he had to hold the pen with both of his hands mm. and just do this kind of like rough outline sketches but the reason he became an unintentional activist is as a paraplegic he was writing these comics and these cartoon strips based on that experience and this dark dark humor from these these comics and so some people hated it some people were like oh it's just you know kind of glorifying the negative things blah blah and he was like i i don't care he's like this is what i am doing and it was kind of his emotional and therapeutic outlet mm-hmm. was through that so this movie takes place pretty much in about i would say 15 years of his life uh walking phoenix of course plays john callahan who when i was doing my research is way older hmm. so when he had the accident he was 21 walking <laughs> phoenix cannot look 21 years old these days <laughs> Uh, just, he's, no. you know, he's he, lived a life. He's an old soul. <laughs> but I mean, outside of that, you know, this story of substance abuse, depression, retribution, uh, was fascinating and hard to watch in some parts. Uh, Jonah Hill plays his, uh, what would they call What is it? when you are an Alcoholics Anonymous, his sponsor. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but he is also the sponsor of multiple people and they do this group therapy Jonah Hill is fantastic in this. Like he definitely, his name could start getting tossed around for best supporting actor conversations. You lose Jonah Hill, Mm -hmm. which is hard to do (laughs) because I mean, he, he has done a lot of stuff, both dramatic and legitimate comedies. The 20 jump street movies are still amazing. (laughs) Yep. Uh, But in this one, he plays somebody so different and physically he looks so different both with the beard and long hair you lose him hmm. in this uh beth ditto is in this as well and of course you can go and listen to my conversation that i had with aaron white and gus fantan and beth ditto that is on the youtubes and the podcast feed and all of those but yeah so they talk about just kind of keeping it kind of this this raw story of like this is what happened and this is how everybody kind of reacted to it rooney mara is in this hmm. and essentially feels wasted Mm. like she is the love interest but never really developed and it just it was just kind of odd and i was not really sure what they were doing at this it might get might have gotten explored more in the book that john callahan wrote that this is based off of i do not know but it is interesting that it kind of ties back into robin williams because robin williams initially had the rights to this story Mm. and he was going to be a part of it that would have been incredible because, you know, of his own substance abuse issues and everything. Having Joaquin Phoenix, though, in this role... Well, I mean, he's had his own ...also makes of- complete <laughs> sense. Like, it it worked. Yeah. The third act of this kind of just 
chugs along, it loses a lot of steam. Mm-hmm. And that, that is kind of where it, yeah, it just, it dips. Not in quality necessarily. It is Gus Van Sant. Mm-hmm. The guy knows how to make a movie. <laughs> but just tonally, it just kind of starts to falter a little bit. Uh, but it was a biopic about a person that I did not know anything about. John Callahan, I mean, he was a very prolific cartoonist in Portland and was published all the time, but not really of our generation. And so I had, yeah, I had no idea who he was. This movie made it, made me want to learn a little bit more about him and see where some of those missing pieces might be. But the last act, yeah, did not really finish, like drive me home, mm. drive that point home. That's fair. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, overall the acting was, was great. Jonah Hill was fantastic. I hope he gets, some mentions. I mean, he's already kind of been in the contendership a few times now. Yeah. So it's like he, he is good. Yeah. He is really good. Uh, Beth Ditto in her first movie, like she was solid. Also, uh, Udo Kair hmm. was in this. Every time I see him and yes, he is a classically trained actor and he is amazing. I only see him from blade. Mm. Uh, he is the one that Deacon, he basically Deacon Frost's boss, the older guy. I'll have to look him up. Uh, I mean, once you see him, yeah, like everybody like visually, you're like, oh, that guy. <laughs> so yeah, Udo Kair is in this as Hans. Uh, it just it is nice to see him. He essentially looks the same as he did <laughs> 20 years ago. So, but yeah, the official rating system for this podcast, if this is your first time listening, three choices, good, bad, or ugly. No star ratings, no letter, letter grades, because those have way too many options, and I wanted to make it complicated yet as easy as possible <laughs> so the three rating choices are good bad or ugly a good film is something that you would recommend to a friend a bad film is something that you did not necessarily hate it was just something you were like all right that was there it was a movie mm-hmm. uh ugly avoid at all costs so don't worry he won't get far in foot directed by Gus van sant about john callahan's life and struggles with depression and substance abuse and just the rough things that he went through uh it gets a good even in the last act when it loses loses some steam it was still solid performances throughout shot really well it was done interesting because there's some just weird time jumps in it and gus even talked about that when i had the chance to interview him he was like when you're reading a book the book can do that all the time where it can just kind of jump around and your brain just rolls with it sure there's something about a visual medium when it does that and it does not say five years later (laughs) it takes people a second but he made a conscious choice not to put Mm. you know the years on there and just kind of roll with it just Mm. kind of train of thought so that was really clever and it worked it was not something where as things are happening you're like wait i thought he was just talking at this university it all made sense so it gets a good uh from me so go check it out it is in theaters now yes now no uh friday the 20th (laughs) had to think about that so the next film is another one that i saw at the seattle international film festival this is eighth grade Directed by Bo Burnham, starring Elsie Fisher, in Bo Burnham's first directorial, or his directorial debut. Not his first directorial debut. It's also his first directorial debut. It would be weird if it was his... Second. Yes, second directorial (laughs) debut. Uh, That would be odd. Uh, So yeah, this film takes place the last week of eighth grade of Elsie Fisher, who plays Kayla. So when I say eighth grade... Mm -hmm. Think back to your eighth grade year. Oh, no. What are exactly what are some words that come to mind? Just do some word association. Oh, man. <laughs> eighth grade. Uh, awkward. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, that was, 
you was right before going off to high school last week so you're mm-hmm. getting ready and had that kind of looming idea of high school ahead of you mm-hmm. and all that all that was associated with it and all the stuff you've seen in movies and stuff about oh high school you know you have these 25 year olds playing high schoolers and going like oh right. man uh man so awkward oh yeah yeah okay. I, I mean I, I was on the uh yearbook staff in eighth grade of course you were yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> That was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Just trying to figure out, like, girlfriend, boyfriends, like, kind of, not maybe for the first time, but starting to get a little bit more, like, mm-hmm. actual things. Starts serious. to feel real. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of all that that came with that. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> getting caught by my mom making out with my eighth grade girlfriend, I think it was then. You know? Wow. Yeah. And just that whole thing. That was great mm-hmm. for my, you know. That was a shining moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So most people have that same reaction. You're like, tell me about eighth grade. And they're like, (laughs) like it just, it gets, it gets awkward. This film perfectly (laughs) exemplifies that. So last year we had Lady Bird. Mm -hmm. Fantastic movie starring Saoirse Ronan, where it was that high school, you know, age where, you know, same type of thing. Like, boyfriends girlfriends like what does it mean like going kind of going towards college what does college mean all of those feelings and anxiety dropping it back to eighth grade and having someone like elsie fisher who was right on that same age like she was finishing i think she um yeah i think she said she was finishing like the summer going into ninth grade when she was filming this so i mean it was fresh and boy does that come across (laughs) like it is this is one of the most just raw and authentic true portrayals of what eighth grade looks like for mm. certain people. And it was painful, <laughs> like and, and painful, but in a good way. Cause you were yeah, sitting there intentionally painful. Oh gosh. Like, <laughs> cause you were sitting there watching her. We'll talk of, about painful in another way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were watching her kind of get ready for school and just like the anxiety of just what is going to happen. And like when she goes to talk to boys and she's all, so, uh, and like she was all out of breath, but it just, it makes sense. Everybody in this movie was age appropriate. Mm-hmm. And when I had the conversation with Bo Burnham and Elsie Fisher when they were in town, you can listen to that this coming Friday. Uh, he talked about that. He talked about how he wanted to cast non-actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, what did he... Because uh, I, they apparently do not like the term extras. Sure. So non-actors. Sure. You know, but of that age. Mm-hmm. To just kind of be in the school, walking around... And so everything felt real. Like you already mentioned, it is not like right. the, the movies we grew up with where these high schoolers are 25 years old. Well, Tobey Maguire playing, you know. Well, 35-year-old <laughs> Spider-Man. Right, Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, no. The worst was still, maybe not the worst, but uh, Beverly Hills 90210 uh, that I used to watch my older sisters. Yep. And all of them looked older. And then there was the one, I forget if it was Dylan's girl, Adriana, I think. She looked 40 years old. And it was like, what, you were supposed to be in high school? Well, I think Dawson's Creek, for me, is like the crown with that one. It was just like, you know... Well, Dawson, was that Joshua Jackson? Yeah. yeah. And, okay. uh, um Vanderbeek. Yes. Okay. James Vanderbeek. You know... I only know... I mainly... That was definitely of our generation. Uh-huh. I think I have only ever seen one episode. Oh, Johnny, boy. Maybe. <laughs> I mainly just know it from GIFs. That's um, fair. From <laughs> the, the Van, crying. Vanderbeek <laughs> crying. <laughs> That sums it up. Yeah. So, I mean, that was something that was a really, really smart move that Bo Burnham did for eighth grade, age appropriate Mm -hmm. stars of the movie. 
uh, going along kind of with that awkwardness and everything, he also made an interesting choice where the single parent dynamic gets played out in certain movies all the time. Usually it is a mother and daughter. Mm -hmm. This is a single dad and Elsie Fisher, his daughter, you know, no other, no other kids, siblings, whatever. And the mom just is not present. Mm -hmm. I forget if they gave a reason for it because I saw this like two months ago. But that was just that was an interesting dynamic and definitely a very specific choice that he wanted to make. Mm -hmm. So in writing this and he was like, even talked about it. He was like, I don't know what it's like to be a girl in eighth grade. But I wanted. he was like, it would be too like self-satisfying if he was like, this is what I was like in eighth grade. So kind of giving it those twists, you know, of reality, it made sense. Tonally, it made sense. It will be interesting going back to this one in a few years because Kayla, she has her own YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which Bo Burnham definitely pulled from his experience. Right. Um, I mean, that's how it's got to start, you know? Exactly. Like, he was one of the first wave of comedians and young people who made their way on YouTube. Yeah, even almost prior to YouTube, some of those early videos of his raps and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was huge on Vine. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace, Vine. Uh, <laughs> Pour one out. <laughs> right. So Elsie Fisher, like her character, Kayla, has a YouTube channel. She's doing these, you know, videos that get like five or six views. And so that is something where five years from now, 10 years from now, when people watch this, people of that age, I wonder how they are going to view that. Similar to like when we watch Pretty in Pink. Right. Or Back- Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Yeah. yeah. So that that will be an interesting kind of look back, yeah, and see how that will work. Uh, but everything felt organic, both from the interaction she had when she was kind of stuttering on her own YouTube channel, mm-hmm. or not stutter- when she was actually when she was more confident on her YouTube channel, turns that off, and then she kind of stutters through things. It felt real because again, a lot of people put on that face, you know, for the public. We do it as adults. Mm-hmm. All the time. <laughs> I don't know what you were talking about, John. Right. We're definitely not putting on a face on you know the internet right now. No, no. I yeah. mean, a smile a day keeps the crippling depression at bay <laughs> is what I always say. Uh, that was a lot of rhyming. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was, and I mean it. A poet. Yeah. I don't even know it. Uh, and my feet will surely show it, though, because they be long fellows. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dad joke wow. on 11. Yeah, way to take it from crippling depression to dad jokes uh, in, like, right. zero to 60. <laughs> uh, the soundtrack was, was great. It has, like, this, like, synth pop soundtrack that comes in super loud sometimes, like, to the point where when I was watching it, I was like, did they do this on purpose? Hmm. But it made sense. Uh, Bo actually talks about that also, and he really likes that artist and just wanted to involve them. So that was really cool. The body issues mm-hmm. that, that she has and she goes through again, it was just, it was painful to watch because it was like, d- yeah, just putting yourself back in that headspace. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it won actually the golden space needle, mm. uh, at SIF. So congratulations to them. This was easily one of my highlights of SIF and it came, kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. There's something where I got the email to with the interview opportunity. So I was like, yeah, sure, of course. Then I started doing my research on it. When I got the chance to see it, it blew me away. Like, and this, and again, if these kind of slice of life movies are not your bag, you might not enjoy it as much. But I, I encourage people to kind of go into it, just let it happen. Try and re- try and remember what that was like. I say try and remember because some people try oh, and man. forget. Yeah, I was like, frequently. No, 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 you can't make me. Yeah, my grade, like it was. 
My grade was weird. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I was also going to a different high school than everybody else. Mm. Almost everybody from my high school or my middle school was going to the high school that was literally like 200 yards away. Mm-hmm. I was going to a different high school. That was a whole other thing where there were only like two people from my school that were going there. Uh, spoiler, ended up getting kicked out of that high school. <laughs> but regardless, uh, <laughs> but it was just, yeah. So eighth Man. grade is just, it was a weird time because, yeah, you were trying to I figure totally. out who you are yeah and like on the other hand like we've talked about this in our personal lives but like mm-hmm. you know i grew up in a tiny town in florida yes you did <laughs> <laughs> and so you know the same sounds of home right um i've been on that river by the way um you know all the people i went to middle school with from basically kindergarten you know were the same people all the way through high school wow you know for better or for worse yeah you know and so like the same like bullies that would torment me in first grade mm-hmm. they were on the varsity football team oh, of course. <laughs> you know in <laughs> in high school so yeah it's it's one of those things that <sighs> yeah so uh yeah my official rating for it is absolutely a good bo burnham really knocked it out of the park i mean especially in his first movie directing it i mean he has written stuff i mean like he has constantly been writing and directing his own stuff Sure. For years. He has been a content creator since before that was kind of a, a term that we use now. So for this, in his first feature length movie, crushed it. Like it just, everything felt real. The shot selection was great. Like it was just, he did not really try anything too crazy. You know, there are not big swooping overhead crane shots or anything. It was a lot of it was shot. And this is another interesting choice at eye level of the characters. That's interesting. And these are eighth graders. So... That was clever. Elsie Fisher was great as well. And she was just fun to talk to. Like the two of them, it was easily the best interview slash conversation that I have done on my show in a nice. while. So I'm really excited for people to listen to that uh, on Friday. It was, again, a typical SIF type of interview where I get like 15 minutes right. uh, to talk to them. But we had a great time. And yeah, it was just really good. So official rating good definitely go check out eighth grade and relive those horrible painful <laughs> eighth grade memories man you know how to sell it <laughs> i mean it yeah it is good. i mean and i fully think that some people this they might not like it they might yeah. be like ah oh, you know my eighth grade wasn't like that sure sure of course i also have never climbed a building possibly using duct tape like in a movie we might talk about later what but i can still enjoy it i can still kind of go into it with eighth grade let it happen just kind of get in that moment if you want to, if your eighth grade was horribly traumatic, this movie might be rough for you also, but I absolutely enjoyed it. Like I said, one of my highlights of SIF, one of my highlights of interviewing and conversations. So yeah, so Bo Burnham, Elsie Fisher, hit them up. Tell them you loved the movie once you see it on Friday and once you listen to the interview. So now that I've talked about two movies that Jed had not seen, nope. we now go into the next set of movies. Yay. All three movies Jed has seen. Yay. The first one being Skyscraper. <laughs> Yay. So let me set up Skyscraper. There you go. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> Two brothers. Ugh, yeah. He was, I think he uses the word brother three or four times. Oh, just yeah, just out, of, out of nowhere. So Dwayne the Rock Johnson was a FBI special forces person. Sure. Yep. Gets into a horrible accident on a mission and loses a leg. He then becomes a security consultant and gets invited 
to, or rather places a bid mm-hmm. kind of to accept a security counselor position for this brand new building in China that is something like three times taller than the Sears Tower and just ridiculous. Well, the sphere, no, the, 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 uh, the pearl, the pearl, the Thank pearl. You. Yeah. So he gets called in uh, by his buddy mm-hmm. who kind of gave him an in. He was like, hey, you know, go suggest some security tips for this new building. Porn stash. A.K.A. Pablo Schreiber, a uh, <laughs> local boy here in Seattle. From Orange is the New Black. From Orange is the New Black and a bunch of other stuff. Well, I was watching going like, who is that guy? Yeah. Well, at uh, first you said Molester Stash. Yeah, Molester Stash. I was like, ew, that sounds gross. His name is Porn Stash. <laughs> um, Correction. <laughs> right. So anyway, so he, his job. It's like hold up the fake mustache and go, huh? <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, what is like with uh, somebody, I think it was Funny or Die. They're doing one of their Batman sketches. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Bruce Wayne is standing there, and somebody puts their hand out there like, wait a minute. (laughs) So, anyway, so Dwayne The Rock Johnson goes to this building called the Pearl with his family. Mm -hmm. Uh, His wife, Nev Campbell, and their two kids, which are completely inconsequential (laughs) um, and do not need to be in the movie. (laughs) So, they, they go to this building so he can inspect everything and give it the okay so that residents can move into the building. Okay, so <laughs> that is the, the setup. Yep. Right at the top, Nev Campbell looks great. Like, she looks not very different from Party of Five, and that was, like, 25 years ago. Uh, yeah. She has stayed busy, like, doing some TV work, but has only done a couple movies in the past, like, decade. Yeah. So, good for her. She, yeah, she stays busy. Yeah. It was kind of weird, though, because I had not really seen her in much mm-hmm. in a long time, and she looks the same. So, it was like, all right, and she was taking care of a bunch of little kids like she was in Party of Five. So see, she's always screamed to me. Ooh, yeah. That that's the connection with yeah. That yeah. I I kind of forget she. Not not forget she is in there. I mean, she is. Wait, yeah, the main person. But yeah, fall four, three of them, I think. Right. I think she did. I know she was in the first two, and yeah. she probably made an appearance. In, I think she did skip three, if I remember correctly. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody will correct us. I'm sure. Oh, I'm not positive. <laughs> the scream movies are good. One and two at least. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One and two are fun. Yeah. So yeah, so she looks good. Uh, so, but they're the only family mm-hmm. currently in the building, basically. So yeah, he can he can check the boxes and give them the okay. First question: If the building is not yet okay, and you need to bring in the rock to make sure that everything is okay, why do you move your family in there? Well, you know, uh, Jurassic Park had the same problem. Yeah. You know, grandkids <laughs> came in. We want to see how the kids react to the building. I don't know. I mean, they're right. flimsy, but you know. But it was like, okay, so this in China, where this movie takes place, sure. you have this gigantic building that, again, is not yet quote unquote up to code or up to snuff. They built it. They built it. It's built. And the, the retail <laughs> levels are the first like 60, and then the next 30 are right. uh, residential, whatever. So the building is kind of already open on those first levels. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I mean, it's not like it seems. Does seem a little weird that it's like we finished this building. Now let's bring somebody in to consult about it. <laughs> exactly. And and your family. <laughs> right. And it, it, his also his. Uh, we also we forgot to mention. I've got yeah. to mention. So his prosthetic leg. Uh-huh. Uh From this explosion mm-hmm. that happens. What would you say? Ten feet in front of him. Oh yeah. 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 Easily. And he only loses a leg. Yep. No other damage. No scarring. Fine. Nope. No, nothing. And how did he try and like do a Muay Thai teep kick to the guy's chest as it was going off? Like, how do you just lose a leg? Uh, I, I got nothing. John. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Plus, similar to what we saw in season two of Luke Cage, 
Uh-huh. Uh, Misty Knight's character lost an arm in Defenders. Uh, we're not in de- uh, yeah, in mm-hmm. Defenders. And they make multiple mentions of it. This was in the line of duty. So th- she gets three quarters pension for the rest of her life. The Rock, a top tier, like they said in one point, they're like former Marine, then this, then FBI. And it was He's like, a lot of like former Marine, former Special Forces. Shocking. Well, yeah. it was like in, a, in Rampage. Yeah. Oh, did I forget to mention that I was former Special Forces? Right. Yeah, it, was just, it just happened to be former Special so Forces. Of course I know how to fly this helicopter. Right. Special Forces. So he gets... That's like the greatest he, hand wave in all movies. Oh, for sure. It's like, how do you know how to do this? Special Forces. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, but he gets injured specifically mm-hmm. in the line of duty. And yet we see him in this movie talking to Nev Campbell being like, you know, I really hope we get this contract. You know, it could mean a lot for us, blah, blah. How are you not on pension for the rest of your life? How are you not like, well, I mean, I think pensions might not be quite, he's got two kids. A little little bit helps. But also Nev Campbell was a military surgeon. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause that's that. that Once, well, once you go into civilian life, that doesn't translate at all. Not not at all. (laughs) Even like even if she is no longer with the military, they kind of do not make mention of what she is currently doing. You are still a surgeon, mm-hmm. regardless of what other type of surgeon you are making six figures minimum. So it is like, how are you? What and what city do you live? They never say like, our, you know, our penthouse in Manhattan. We're right. we might get behind <laughs> San no. Francisco. They're from San Francisco. They never say where. They, it was like okay, in like Tuscaloosa, <laughs> and worrying about that. So how he is not on pension is crazy. Sorry, Tuscaloosa, John's oh. <laughs> prejudice. <laughs> that was just the first one. It was either that or uh, Albuquerque, because oh. I think of Looney Tunes, took a wrong turn to Albuquerque. <laughs> Always uh, trying to get there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Pablo Schreiber's character, who is in his unit, mm-hmm. who also got blowed up, totally has fine. like scarring, oh, oh, yeah, scarring well. on his face. And Melton was like, you're standing behind the rock. How do you look worse than the... <sighs> Who's between a rock and a hard place, John? Oh, dude, dude. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. I, need, I gotta get a bell per episode. It's in my contract. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, but the, the crux of this story is he wants to go give it the sign off, check all the boxes. But after they built the building. After they built the building. <laughs> but then, quote unquote, dun, terrorists dun, dun. break into the building mm-hmm. to get the... Uh, not the, I want to say curmudgeon. What is the MacGuffin MacGuffin yep. <laughs> to get the MacGuffin? Yep. The MacGuffin in this case is a USB drive. It's diehard in a building. It's diehard. <laughs> right. Diehard's in a building. <laughs> so the MacGuffin though is a USB stick, which yep. mm-hmm. granted you can get like, and I have one around here somewhere, a micro USB, mm-hmm. a, or rather a micro memory card, whatever that holds gigabytes of information. The USB drive in this Fits in the guy's hand. Like, it is a giant... looks like a Transformer toy that he puts on his computer. And, of course, it is behind... In a vault that is behind 12 inches of titanium yep. and mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. <laughs> sure. So, basically, then the Rock has to fight the terrorists and then get the thing and then gets to keep it away from the terrorists. Yep. And it is, it is exactly the movie that you think it is. In a summer of loud action movies starring Dwayne Johnson, this is certainly one of them. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the duct tape usage in this movie? <laughs> uh, excessive. Uh-huh. Uh, inspirational. I will yeah. say that. He fixes a bullet hole with yep. it. Uh-huh. Uh, he makes a belt out of it and then makes a belt loop to hold the roll of duct tape that oh, he course. has with him. It's millions of uses. He uses duct tape to stick to the outside of a building. Mm-hmm. Um, he also says specifically, as he is 
fixing a bullet wound or a stab. No, he got stabbed. Stab wound in his shoulder with duct tape. Mm -hmm. He almost with a wink and a nudge to the camera says, if you can't fix it with duct tape, you're not using enough duct tape. (laughs) I mean, big duct tape is behind this movie. (laughs) So they got the Chinese market for, you know, Sejin, China, a lot of Chinese actors, Mm -hmm. you know. Duct tape market is big in China, I think. Sure. Yeah, it is now. <laughs> well, I like that there's one point where he's about ready to climb out of a window mm-hmm. later in the movie, and he kind of has this moment and goes, man, this is stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, all right, yeah. yeah. It really is. I think that was just, you know, The Rock just talking to himself, and they're like, yeah, that's good. The script leave it supervisor in. <laughs> is like, he wasn't supposed to say it. The director's like, keep rolling. Keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> We're using it. That was right before he goes out and sticks to the side of the building with duct tape. Yeah. Uh, and like, oh, he okay. tests it first and does it oh, like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pats it together and it's like yep it's still sticky <laughs> like when you speaking of like 8th grade or possibly younger like when you put glue on your hands mm-hmm. and you would clap together and then you could start to like peel it yeah he does that with the duct tape you're like alright yep, yep, yep this looks strong enough <laughs> to hold me 250 pound <laughs> 6 foot uh, and the rope that he uses oh yeah as previously mentioned uh, Jed did run away and join the circus mm-hmm. so he knows a, two, knows a thing or two about ropes and what things they can hold and bodies and everything occasionally yeah so the rope that he grabbed in this is like a nylon rope <laughs> like, yeah, yeah I double braided anyway I, I looked at it two seconds like oh that's not gonna hold him up <laughs> no but it does not yeah. just hold him up he swings from oh, yeah. it he repels from it oh he does like a 30 foot drop with it yep it's great uh, yeah he's totally fine oh yeah it's a classic movie you drop from a you know, static rope and you don't mm-hmm. break every you know your well, back luckily because the rope was attached to his prosthetic leg oh that's true and then as it pulled like that was what stopped him and then he grabbed his leg right before <laughs> it detached okay so with this leg uh-huh i do like the fight scene where the guy pulls the leg out that was just rude though and then like you have the whole rest of the fight scene with the rock kind of like around yeah it was like i think this is insulting i'm pretty sure which which is one of the things that was weird for me so you do this movie <laughs> it's like unintentionally funny in a kind yeah. of dark way but yeah. not you give a you give a hero a disability uh like this you give them a prosthetic leg which could very well we talk about all the time representation matters sure it's a little weird that, you know, we haven't, I mean, kind of like with A Quiet Place where you have a mm-hmm. deaf actor portraying exactly. a deaf character. It's a little, you know, it's problematic that you have The Rock playing, you know, an amputee. Yeah. But what was problem- What was more problematic for me, mm-hmm. not once do they mention PTSD. Mm-hmm. This man is literally going through a building that is exploding. Yep. <laughs> And he explode. He got exploded on. <laughs> got exploded. <laughs> He's done been exploded. <laughs> he, he done got exploded. Uh, man, Florida. It's yeah, just, you rubbing know. off on you. Uh, he done get blowed up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Not one mention of PTSD mm-hmm. or being like, you know, just talking about the struggles with that. At one point, somebody, I think, yeah, Pablo Schreiber's character was like, well, you got medically discharged and I got nothing. And it was like, Okay, why? You were in the yeah. same building in the same explosion. Sure, you didn't lose a limb, but you still got pretty messed up. Yeah. And I'm sure there's psychological issues, all that. Kind of, yeah. So just like that was that bothered me. They did not touch on that at all. Like we know it was an action movie, mm-hmm. a throwaway action movie, yes. But if you're going to give somebody, you know, a prosthetic leg and you have the opportunity to talk about the military and PTSD and those types of things, take the opportunity. Sure. Give it one line and not a line those in this where he was like, I put down my sword 10 years ago. Right. And then, viewers, Spoilers. remember, five minutes before that, 
when he was in an office building and they randomly show a sword on the wall. Call that foreshadowing. <laughs> what? That's some insider, you know, baseball there, John. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else about this uh, movie? Oh yeah, the kids were pointless. Yeah, well, I mean, they're the they're the it was the the typical hostage. Ah, we got your kid. You right, know. but like Nev Campbell is in it. Just yeah. have the wife. Yep. Yeah. Like I just I did not see the reason for the kids. Uh, the whole security thing and the reason that he needed to be the one to check the boxes. All he does. He gives a PowerPoint presentation being like, your fire alarms work. You have the new suppression system. State of the art. You guys look good. And it was like, okay, you literally just checked the fire system. Again, after the building is After the built. building is done. <laughs> I would love to see the, the, the version of this where it's like, oh, guys, you have some real problems with your fire protection system. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a fire in here, the building would collapse. Right. Oh, I guess you got to tear it down and rebuild. Right. And he is a security consultant. Not once does he talk about security (laughs) not once is he like okay this giant building that is going to have families Mm -hmm. and penthouses for the super rich and everything okay we should talk about entrances and we should talk about key points of interest nope he talks about the fire alarms yeah Yeah, especially since the whole thing is like dealing with terror quote quote terrorists right you know that's a modern day appropriate legitimate thing yeah 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 not once yep no ones, and they were pushing hard for the Chinese market too. Oh yeah, I, the, my favorite little part was like just the random clips where they just cut to a crowd of mm-hmm. of onlookers just clapping and cheering for the Rock after doing something. Like he gets dangled from the rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many stories? Two hundred something stories, oh, gosh, or whatever. Yeah. Up, and then it just cuts to the street. Them going like, yeah, yeah. It's- after the police already <laughs> tried to shoot him, right? Because you know right. reasons. So it, I mean. We say that that is weird, having this group of onlookers clapping. But if you remember, when the raccoon was climbing a building like three weeks ago in down, I think it was like Ontario or somewhere, mm-hmm. and there was a crowd of people that were being interviewed, and they're like, I just hope he's okay, and that he has food. And it was like, it is a raccoon climbing a building. So that gives me no faith. Well, the, the multiple times they've cut to just like, it's like a, a laugh track almost. Oh, yeah. Like he does something cool and then it cuts to yay. And then he does something cool, cuts to yay. Yeah. It's like cheer here, audience. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and people were legitimately laughing in the screening, mm-hmm. which made me think when the 80s movies were coming out and setting all of these tropes, I, I mean, I never saw Die Hard in the movie. You know, I never saw first blood part two or anything but because they were setting tropes i wonder if anybody in those audiences laughed at how ridiculous it was or if that is a new thing because we now have references to a bunch of terrible slash awesome action movies but when a big thing is happening and he does something crazy and the audience is laughing it was we were laughing too but it was like is that what they meant us for meant for us to do right yeah, so I think a lot of those classic, the reason why they're tropes now is because not only they were new, but they were handled and built in a way that was well done. Yeah. And now they're, they're being used as this shorthand nowadays of like, oh, you, it's diehard. He's going to do, you know, he's going to pull the gun out from his back and say, yippee ki you know, right. and reference that. And they've kind of cut out the, the legwork that they have to do to get to that point, you know? <clears throat> They cut out the legwork. Oh, Come on, that wasn't even intentional. <laughs> oh. oh, that was that was bad. That was I didn't even mean that one. I feel bad about that. Yeah, one. you should I feel gross. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it just it was. 
it was a movie. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty much all my... Uh, well, oh, I, it was directed yeah. by, by Russell Marshall. Oh, I pulled him up because uh, there was something about... Uh, well, I, I recently watched Jumanji, the new one. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we watched Rampage together. You know, there was some, a lot of things where it had a kind of a smile and a nod and a wink. Right. But it kept it fun. It kept it light. Yeah. This one kind of went like, we're going to be a little bit more edgy. Yeah, they tried to make it serious. Yeah. And so... It, like, even in even in Die Hard, mm-hmm. which, again, people always go to when he is crawling through the ducks and he's like, come out, we'll have a good time. Come you know, out to the West Coast, you know, we'll have a good time. That is him. I mean, almost literally staring into the camera. Sure. <laughs> kind of making light of it, making jokes of it. This does not have the, like, this tried to take itself seriously as, like, a terrorist movie or something mm-hmm. while using all of the same tropes. Uh, one of the tropes that bothered me, so when they get to the Pearl, mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning, oh, when, yeah. when the owner is showing him everything, he was like, oh, we have 8K cameras all over and blah, blah. And I was like, all right, cool. Press the button. The whole dome essentially becomes transparent and they can see the whole city. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Like that makes a little bit of sense. I was like, all right. Then dozens of panels come up from the floor that turn into mirrors. As soon as I saw that, I was like, man, this was a cool scene when Enter the Dragon did it in, in 1972. <laughs> and it was... So as soon as I saw it, I was like, all right, so the final battle is definitely going to take place here. And it did. Spoilers. <laughs> and it was just... Ugh. Yeah, like the the whole smoke and mirrors yeah. thing has been used so many times. Uh, quick fun, quick uh, backstory about that scene in Enter the Dragon. Mm. That nearly shut down production of the entire movie. It took them so long to film it because when you think about it the the angles that they get in mm. while shooting that are like legitimately hard to do now right and they don't have the ability to digitally remove <laughs> cameras or crew like there was in uh in black swan mm-hmm. there was some amazing camera work when it came to mirrors and the way that they would rotate things into the dragon this is in the 70s and they're having to do this and so they actually did a behind the scenes there's some footage where they're trying to like shuffle all these mirrors to not get any cameras, to not get any people behind it. And it nearly broke the production. Like it took way longer to film than they had planned. Bruce Lee was getting upset. He had a big temper that people do not generally talk about because they see him as this peaceful warrior. No, he, he was an angry man for a lot of his life. Uh, but yeah, so like that nearly shut down production. Fast forward to 2018. You have the digital version of this mirror scene. And I was like, come on. <laughs> So, uh, that was all my notes for, for, yeah, this, for this movie. <laughs> uh, big duct tape, man. They, oof, Hollywood yeah. is in the pockets of big duct tape. <laughs> so, good, bad, or ugly? What do you give this, Jed? I'm going to go with bad. Okay. I don't, I don't know if it's full into the ugly category. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely one of the ones that's like, you don't need to watch this. I mean, if this is your kind of action movie, big, dumb action movies is your thing. Mm-hmm. There are even better options out there, you know, but you can check it out at home, you know, with some buddies or something. But even then, it's not going to be quite as fun as a lot of the other big, dumb action movies out there, you (laughs) know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I agree. Uh, One quick thing about the director that Mm -hmm. I I forgot to mention earlier. He directed Dodgeball. Really? And he directed Central Intelligence, the movie with Kevin Hart and The Rock from last year. That's so disappointing. Those two comedies are legitimately hilarious. Yeah. Yeah why he decided to go 
Fuller, and he also did uh, Were the Millers. Like, he is a comedic director and then went full-on action suspense thriller. Yeah. So, weird choice. But yeah. my official rating is also a bad, uh, with a caveat. Okay. If people are going to see this movie in the theater, which... I feel like I should put a disclaimer. <laughs> the About to Be podcast does not <laughs> intend to be this to be viewed in the theater. If you're going to view this in the theater, see it on IMAX. Mm. See it on the biggest screen you have in your town to really get the effect. But this movie is dumb. <laughs> like, this movie is just <laughs> ridiculous. So, it gets a bad yeah. uh, for me. Not ugly, even though there are so many unanswered questions. It is a big summer action movie. You know what you're getting when you walked into it. So, yeah, it is a bad. But, yeah, if you're going to see it in the theater, see it on IMAX, see it on a big screen. Watching it at home, yeah, you are right. It's not going to be the same, yeah. and you're not going to have the crowd reaction. Oh, totally. So, but do not see this in the theater. <laughs> uh, so, it is a bad. Uh, next, how about you set up Unfriended Dark Web? Sure. Uh, Unfriended Dark Web is the sequel to the first Unfriended mm-hmm. movie. From 2014. <laughs> yeah. Which I had never seen or even really had on my radar at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially... You mean movies about haunted Skype cameras are not on your radar? <laughs> uh, I live that life. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a movie set up basically uh, of, of a person who... This guy who has a laptop, he's kind of talking with his friends. He's kind of working things out with his girlfriend. Um, and then he kind of discovers something on this laptop he picked up on Craigslist that starts going down a darker avenue mm-hmm. and you know there's it's a thriller mover it's a it's essentially a slasher movie essentially with barely any slashing though yeah with yeah we'll get, we'll, that, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that <laughs> and so you know one by one the the friends die off or mm-hmm. you know this killer i guess for lack of a better word mm-hmm. kind of hunts him down the interesting thing and i know they did with the first unfriended but i hadn't seen any previews for this or anything like mm-hmm. that i went in kind of blind uh, is that it's all kind of shot like you're looking at a computer screen. Yeah. Like it literally... Or a uh, phone screen sure. or yeah. something. N- not Yeah. All of the all of the movie, the entire movie is from a computer or cell phone camera. Exactly. Yeah. And so it like literally opens with like the login screen of a MacBook. Mm-hmm. And any video in the movie is either like fi- FaceTime or Skype. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you hear music, it's because he turned on his Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah. Talk about uh, advertising. Right. <laughs> like, duct tape. All right, sure. This one, like, he loads up Spotify and, like, starts clicking through. And it was like, okay, yep. there you go. Yeah, there's, you know, Facebook. There, mm-hmm. You watch the mouse move around the screen as he clicks yeah. into Facebook and Googles things. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting from that perspective. It kind of takes it a little bit different than a normal slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a fan of the horror genre in general. Uh, so I kind of like those movies that do something different. So yeah. for me, I was like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. Um, I just thought it was creative. You know, mm-hmm. interesting the way they did it and the way they built up the suspense of it. And, you know, because you have these friends that you, you know, you learn about, you know, two characters are getting married. You know, you kind of get some, there's like a conspiracy kind of nut character mm-hmm. and you get to kind of talk to the, they talk to these friends all through Skype and stuff. And then like, you know, when their cameras start cutting out one by one, it's like, oh, that's kind of actually a little spooky because you don't mm-hmm. see the Mike Myers, you know, right. You know, cuts to outside the house, cut to the door, you know, slowly mm-hmm. open. You don't get any of that. It's kind of, you get a little something in the background of the camera. 
and then they disappear or the camera cuts or yep. you know you see ah, and your hand moves through the frame <laughs> as the camera drops or something yeah i was yeah. i was also impressed by that because again that it is a bold choice mm-hmm. because it limits how you're going to shoot the movie yeah because like the the main guy i forget his name alex oh no alex, was alex the I just pulled. Yeah, I just pulled up the the Jurassic Dead on IMDb and then later uh, Matthias. <laughs> there you go, Matthias. Yeah. Uh, so like with him, he you know that he is using his just generic MacBook, mm-hmm. you know, eyesight camera. But everybody else, like some of them, like you can tell some of them have nicer cameras yeah. and other things. Like so, the lighting isn't as good as a couple. Yeah, of like them. so it is really smart and just unique. Like that takes again somebody being like, okay, what are the limitations of this person's camera, what can it see, what can it not see? They even make mention of it because apparently he had a crappy camera right. before he got this new lap book or lap book, sheesh, laptop, <laughs> MacBook. John is 87 years old and doesn't <laughs> right. understand technology. That's behind the mask of John the, the reviewer. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the face space and, and the Twitters. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, like that, that was just it, clever. Mm-hmm. Took some interesting turns. And then when it goes to cell phone footage, mm-hmm. That was where it got a little bit too Blair Witch Project for me. A little bit. It There's was, even a snot scene. There oh, are yeah. multiple snot scenes in this. Yeah. And I was like, like again, similar to Skyscraper, we have seen these before. Sure. You're doing a unique thing in a framing device, mm-hmm. but the actual thing that we are seeing, we have seen, you know, and it, it no longer is as shocking. Yeah. But when it comes to shocking, like this one was rated R. Mm-hmm. The previous one was PG-13. Other than the actual subject matter, which one of the things that he finds in this laptop is this connection to the dark web and essentially snuff films. Yeah. But we never see the end result of those snuff films. Yeah. I mean, it is intense. And though, like the the way that the the snuff films are shot, you know, they're literally opening up like MP4 files or Mm -hmm. whatever, or dot movie files. You know, those are in kind of intense the way they're, they're shot, unnerving you know? yeah, yeah yeah unnerving's a great word yeah it just so it's interesting that this was rated r i think mainly because of the subject matter yeah that it was dealing with They're a little bit of language but yeah the language but for a quote-unquote slasher movie mm-hmm. i'm trying to think there's how much blood we see like we really there's one instance of some gnarly gore oh yeah yeah, yeah. towards the very end yeah um but that's kind of, I mean, really it as far as like a typical like Friday 13th with blood gushing right. out between the bed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that wasn't, again, this, this movie took multiple interesting choices. Mm-hmm. I found out later, mm-hmm. this movie has two endings. Oh, interesting. And depending on which theater you saw it in, it has a different ending. Oh, we have to talk about that off, uh, off mic. Yeah, I just found that out earlier when I was doing huh. some research. And that. They, they only, that only became quote-unquote announced when a projectionist from one of the theaters took a screenshot of the email that he got huh when it was like be aware there are two separate endings so what that other ending interest was that's cool i have no idea because we saw a version mm-hmm. of it uh but throughout the movie and the different characters that we get introduced to through these skype cameras these people are dumb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matthias in particular, like, as your main protagonist, the guy is just dumb. I, like, he, at one point, he mentions Caron, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and he was like, oh, I wonder the, who this is. One of his friends tells him exactly who it is. It was like, oh, it was a ferryman of the dead in Greek mythology. Hold on, let blah, me open blah. a Wikipedia. And then he opens <laughs> Google, and he types it in, and then he starts reading. 
Sharon was the ferryman of the dead. And it was like your best, fr- like one of your best friends just told you that. Oh, they, these, the, like, all these characters suffer from a very terminal case of dumb horror movie victim. Uh, yeah. Of the stupids. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the choice is made. And so many times it was like, okay, just, just stop right there. Like call the police. Just, yeah. you know, there's a instance where they know that these, that, that there's a killer after them. Mm-hmm. And, they basically stand in a, right in front of a train and just kind of not look around or yeah. like do be any- aware of your surroundings, right? You know, what you do anybody. So anybody who takes the train or public transportation usually is aware of your surroundings anyway. Right. Especially if you think an anonymous killer is after you and your friends and you know that they've already like hunted down a couple of yeah. them. You might want to be aware of a man in a hoodie standing literally three feet behind you with his back to you. Right. You think you'd probably put your back towards a wall, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, It sounds like victim shaming, but really it is stupid shaming (laughs) because... It's a, wow. it's the it's the modern day equivalent of the, you know, I'm going to run upstairs away from Jason, you know? Right. Surely he does not know how right. to use the stairs. Right, exactly. Yeah. So the, the, the classic horror tropes of that. It does also suffer from like the the uh, computers are magic idea of Hollywood. Where yeah. It's like, hackers can do everything. Yeah. You're a hacker. I've hacked their toaster to burn them. Yeah, it's not in the movie, but like <laughs> I've, I've, I'm able to go in and reroute through their IP address and deep fry their toaster to make them kill themselves. And it's like, what? <laughs> y- yeah. I mean, granted, the dark web is, you know, a terrifying place. And is... M- not as portrayed in the movie, but it is a thing. There oh, is a absolutely. thing out there like that. And you can find the, the podcast on there. Right. <laughs> I'm sure there's a download link. <laughs> even even the characters in the movie who know of the dark web, who mm-hmm. are telling their friends about the dark web, and then he Googles dark web and all these things. It was like, okay. Yeah. Like, so it, it, there are a lot of conceits mm-hmm. in this movie because, again, laptops can do anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, anybody who has a Wi Fi connection can just hack into anything they want. Hackers are magic. Yeah. They can just completely just, I mean, and there's certain things like they, they kind of did do a little bit of, like they had some terminal language, like a terminal as in computer terminal mm-hmm. with, as far as Skype, as far as, you know, right. moving conversations around, you know, it was kind of interesting. One of my favorite parts was like when the, the technology savvy buddy of his, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, give me admin access. And you yeah. like, you see him open up like the system folder and it's like, how do I put in your, okay. Username. Yeah. You know, like, again, like there wasn't, it was one of those movies where, there's enough kind of real world things mixed with enough just absolute BS. Yeah. We were like, okay, sure. Yeah. Well, the, the fact that the, the killer, whenever they're on camera, right. It's all like creepy Distorted. digital. Yeah. it's like, do they have something in their pocket that makes them that way? Mm-hmm. Are they, hacking? But, and only them, right. Are they hacking the camera to like crop them out? You know, and then they're able to remove things from Facebook conversations and stuff. And it makes this great, like, whoop, like the reverse noise. Yeah. And it's like, really? Yeah, exactly. Like pulls it away. I do say the sound effects, the sound design, yeah. even like limited by the computer, mm-hmm. but like the way they use like a notification ding, I thought mm-hmm. was kind of well done of like this little bit of, you know, not the typical horror movie trill of like violins yeah. or something there like that. There definitely was some aggressive sound design though. Sure. Like there were a couple points when, it got really loud and like a couple of us just kind of like sat back and we're like, okay, yeah, uh, that happened. But yeah, I mean, you, when you choose to limit yourself by the cameras that you can use, mm-hmm. by the sound design that you can use, like that takes some creativity. And yeah. the thing that Blumhouse continues to do are these micro budget movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and they have a new one coming out, which is 
as far as I know, their biggest one so far, Black Klansman, mm-hmm. that Spike Lee directed. <laughs> so, like, Blumhouse, they did Upgrade, uh, which was on Netflix. Like, Blumhouse is doing pretty amazing things, but they started with the paranormal activities. Right. They started with, like, okay, here's a one-camera shot, night vision, and two people in a room. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I got to say, it's a little weird that they've had stuff out on Netflix as a Netflix exclusive, Mm -hmm. because I feel like this movie is, like, a primo example would have been perfect on Netflix. 100%. Like, you know, for me, like, I would say don't watch this in the theater. It sounds a little weird, because it's, like, as a horror fan, like, I wouldn't want, like, if if I was watching this on my macbook mm-hmm. i think it would make it so much more of a of a enveloping experience Absolutely. and a little bit more freaky because it'd be like you know basically the same like the, they did well with the angles with the, were mm-hmm. very similar to your facetime or skype you know camera and to kind of be hooked in that way i think yeah i think that would be that, kind that, of a cooler that, way to watch it that is a good point because yeah when you're watching it on a big screen there is that disconnect yeah even though all of us you know especially with max know all that like it was yeah, I think watching it on a computer, which apparently, yeah, uh, who was it before we before the the dark web screening? One of the other critics that we we're sitting at who said that he saw the first one, you know, his laptop. So uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think it would make it better, you know, just being. Yeah, able to, but you are. I totally agree that yeah. this is a Netflix pickup mm-hmm. r- immediately. Like doing a theatrical release, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like this year, man. Like this year, they did Insidious: The Last Key. Uh, Truth or Dare, Delirium, Upgrade, The First Purge, and they still have uh, Black Klansman, and they're doing the new Halloween. Oh, really? So that one, absolutely put that in the theater. Sure. 100%. But like a lot of their stuff, just, you know, toss it to Netflix, and I'm sure it would do well. Well, if they're already embracing this perspective, especially with like this series, Unfriended series or whatever. Yeah. You know, I think it would, because then I think I'm picturing like a... Uh, video game wise like Hideo Kojima have you ever mm-hmm. played like any of the Metal oh, yeah. Gear Solid games where it's like oh your memory card's corrupted you know I think you could start playing with that with this movie a little bit oh yeah you yeah you know have like a pop up or something that looks if in the if know. they were to put this do one of these direct to Netflix yeah and in the middle of it like it goes to the Netflix login right, screen right exactly you know and mess with people that way a little bit I think there's a lot of opportunity that is there. Clever. I think would be cool yeah that would be really interesting because Netflix frequently freaks out anyway Ba-bum. so yeah oh they should sponsor me that would be amazing <laughs> uh oh wait i already have a netflix for media account. just kidding anyway uh, uh okay so for unfriended dark web good bad or ugly go for it i, I i'm coming from the perspective as a horror fan mm-hmm. i would say good okay. i would say again maybe not watch this in the theaters as weird as it sounds to give it a good i think sitting at home is going to improve the experience but i think it's it's not necessarily one of the best horror movies of all time. It's not like super, super scary. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stupid choices, but it's done interestingly Mm -hmm. enough that I think it's worth the two hours to watch it. Hour and a half. I was going to say, I think it was like 90 minutes. Yeah, it was pretty tight. Uh, It is. uh, Oh, is it clicking it with my book? Click, 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 click. 90 or 88 minutes. Right. So So if you're in and out pretty quick. Yeah. If you like horror movies, I say, give it a shot. It's just a different take on it. And it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my official rating is is also good. The characters are dumb, but like Tim and I frequently talk about, in a horror movie, they have to be dumb, almost. Oh, yeah. Like, only movies like Zombieland or other ones where it is purposely kind of making fun of the genre, can they be intelligent within their surroundings? 
Um, I did just recently watch uh, The Crazies mm-hmm. for the first time with uh, Josh... Du- nope, Tim- Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. I got Josh DeHommel and Timothy Oliphant mixed up all the time. That's fair. I like that in that movie, in The Crazies, multiple characters make smart decisions mm-hmm. just with context of what is going on. Yeah, it's such a crutch to kind of lean on a little bit with mm-hmm. having characters make dumb decisions in horror movies because they, it makes it easier. You have to to kind of push it forward. So it's a, that is kind of the big disappointing moment with this movie um yeah they didn't quite get that far enough along but for sure there, there was matthias did do one clever thing uh with the subway tunnel mm-hmm. like that was smart like having yeah, her take the, the train and i was like okay yeah granted when they came kind of back on live and they're <laughs> they tried to go back to playing the game and it was just it was a bit stunted but yeah uh but yeah so i give it a good i yeah I, I would love to see if they do another one of these yeah, to play into like a Netflix thing yeah, where it can really mess with people. Imagine if okay, so all right, here yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're putting our screenwriter yeah. hats. So they do a Netflix exclusive. Uh-huh. In you know the first act or whatever, it goes to the Netflix login screen because most people, if they're not watching Netflix on their laptop, they have it plugged into their TV. Sure. Goes to Netflix, you know, login screen, and then it just starts starts like logging in as somebody, and then what they are seeing directly correlates like what is happening in the movie mm-hmm. I, yeah i really they, think that could, could do a blue screen of death at some point or like you know yeah i mean they play with the beach ball uh you know the classic mac mm-hmm. spinning pinwheel yeah uh the pinwheel times. of death yeah. right and so you can play with that a little bit uh I suppose there, there's a video game one of the batman arkham asylum games yeah it does like you it makes it look like your graphic cards freaked out and then does a blue screen of death in the game mm-hmm. you know and so when i was playing it for the first time it was like oh man yeah. oh crap and i almost like rebooted my computer and then it was like nope cut two and joker you know Mm-hmm. They could, I think they have a lot of opportunity, a lot of potential yeah, to do stuff that like be that interesting. and really kind of involve the audience because it, mm-hmm. it's such a personal connection to be mm-hmm. using that your screen and then to kind of take it over, I think is yeah. a lot of fun. That could be neat. So uh, yeah. there you go, Blumhouse. We yeah. just gave you your idea for Unfriended 3. <laughs> I'm sure the check is in the mail. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So to finish out the episode... Yeah. The movie that we'll be talking about next. Uh, let me make sure that I have. Uh huh. <laughs> I've got the uh, IMDb. <laughs> so the original title uh-huh. was Z Rex: The Jurassic Dead. Yep. The released title is just The Jurassic Dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Evil always finds a way. Uh, was that their tagline? Yep, that's on the poster or whatever. With oh, the, the star, right by the Star Trip Trooper. <laughs> okay, so right off the bat. <laughs> The poster that I put up on social media. So those characters in that poster, like those are straight from Starship Troopers. I was trying to find the screen, like a screenshot. I was trying to hunt around to see if I could find the exact mm-hmm. pose. Like nobody. And if you notice with the, with the way that they are framed in the poster, no facial features are shown. Like the person in the foreground has a bunch of shadow on mm-hmm. their face. They could be anybody. Uh, and then the two random soldiers behind them. Those guns are not in the movie. Those helmets are not in the movie. Well, the dinosaur design alone is completely different. So, okay. Where do we even start with this? Uh, Go ahead. If you're not a fan (laughs) of the the, the B-movie sci-fi original, uh, uh, you could skip the next 10 minutes or whatever of the podcast. Because this is, I would say, even worse than one of the sci-fi original movies. 100%. And I've seen a few of them. Yep. I love them. I love them to death. Mm Mm-hmm. This is, it's, it's 
very confusing mm-hmm. in a not good way, <laughs> not intentional way. Uh, basically, there's a scientist. Sure. I'm a <laughs> man of science. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. Who makes a formula that mm-hmm. can revive the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, re-dead style or, you know, something along the way. Right. Complete with it was glowing, phosphorescent green, you know. Right. Uh, revives, uh, makes a, a zombie T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Eats some people. Cut to years in the future. He works for a college. Yeah. As a teacher and is reviving cats with the same goop mm-hmm. in class. Mm-hmm. Which you've learned these class <laughs> you learn these kids names in this classroom because he's right. like you ivan hello and why don't you very specifically sally why don't you turn them. off the light yeah right and then <laughs> he gets fired mm-hmm. walks out gets hit by a car mm-hmm. and you never see the college again of saint college of college oh, state what did we call it um the university <laughs> of college yeah university of college <laughs> Uh, uh, good old college university. Yeah, it's, it's the backgrounds change from being like real world backgrounds to these like really blatant the, uh, CG. Like, I think the mascot for the University of College, uh, the University of College students. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the 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 rivalry they have with you know college state is just right. brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you forgot yeah, when he gets hit by the van. Oh yeah, yeah. He says, oh, well, uh, did I write it down? Let me go to my notes yeah. on this. I think he says, like, I will have my revenge. <laughs> like, you got fired, bro. <laughs> like, you got fired for reanimating a corpse in your classroom. And we oh. forgot to mention, this movie opens uh-huh. with some sort of black market deal right. for this formula mm-hmm. from a guy who I really thought was a vampire, who I was hoping was a vampire because I was like, if they give me a zombie T-Rex and a vampire, <laughs> I am in. New rating system, the greatest. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Good, bad, so, and the greatest. And at one point during this like black market arms deal, the vampire guy <laughs> was like... Not a vampire. Right. <laughs> it was like, he was like, no, I want to make sure it works. And it would be a bonus if that ate its creator. So he injects the T-Rex, which he already... Has had in the, it's like in the back of a pickup truck too, like <laughs> underneath a tarp. <laughs> and this T Rex is tiny. Oh yeah, like it's adorable. This, <laughs> maybe six to eight feet tall. Uh, so he injects it. It then, of course, comes alive and the eats t- people, but not him. Of course, dad. Like you know, <laughs> well, it's it's one of those walking with dinosaur uh, T Rex suits, but so much worse. Yeah, so much worse. And you can tell that the actual model that they used. <laughs> was on wheels because when you see it moving you only see the top half and nothing below missing the squeaky wheel yeah you know that like the grip or the pa they're like all right uh we just need you to take it down a notch i don't think they had that uh, (laughs) actually it was probably like the writer (laughs) like i got down on his knees and was like pushing this thing but then when you see the zombie's feet you only see the zombie's feet Mm -hmm. and it just uh, the the uh, Milko Davis is the main director. Yes, and also uh, a story and additional screenplay, screenplay, <laughs> along with uh, Thomas Martwick as the co-director. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just some of uh, the quick hits. Oh yeah, of the director. So he did Raiders of the Damned. Yeah. Tsunami, <laughs> not to be confused with Sharknado. <laughs> Tsunami. We're watching that one next, John. Uh, Mer witches. Those are um. Mermaid witches, not Merlin witches, just so we know. Um, how about ah, oh, oh, oh. we find out here? Yeah, that's a question. Um, Are they mermaid witches? Please tell me they're 
So let me see. Uh, Alex Gillum is an author intrigued by the. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Alex Gillum is an author intrigued by the rumor of a Nazi submarine lost and never found, hence lost, in the Amazon River. When Alex, his wife, and photographer best friend find the sunken U-boat with the help of a local voodoo woman, it's everything he's hoped for. A story that will make him world famous, but he doesn't expect what happens afterwards. First, the crew begins to catch glimpse, glimpses of something darting under, darting about underwater, something large and potentially dangerous. Amazon River is not deep, people. Uh, uh, potentially dangerous. Then... At the worst possible moment, the creature decides to confront Alex. What happens next will change him forever. As Alex fights against the changes he starts to notice in his body, he comes to realize oh, no. he must confront that he must confront the inhabitants of the Merwich Lagoon. <laughs> Stay at the hotel; it's pretty good. Oh man, I wonder what their Yelp rating is. The Merwich Lagoon. <laughs> It was good, except it got turned into a mer, mer- creature. Ma- mer- so again, person? are they mermaid witches? Well, they're both. Or are they they're witches mer- that witches. got turned into mer? Wow. Well, okay. that, I mean, so we know what movie we're going to watch next for the next episode. Damn it! Uh, uh, and his next one that is in pre-production, Z Rex Dead War. Oh, there's a Z. I have no idea. Oh. Um. Uh, yeah, going back to Z-Rex, so long story short, they cut to, after he swears his revenge, they mm-hmm. cut to a group of college students driving in Midwest. From University of College. Yep, College State. <laughs> um, and they, and there's a big EMP blast, and the mm-hmm. college students and this team of mercenaries that you don't know why they're there nope. end up in this bunker mm-hmm. that's controlled by a mad scientist. I wonder who it could who be. Who could it be? With a, you know, Mad Max. Esque, uh, uh, the the main villain from Mad Max. Um, uh, God, what's his name? With the, the it's like a big breathing mask. Yeah, oh, it's killing me. Yeah, uh, and uh, the, he releases a zombie gas that will slowly turn them all into zombies. But also, there's a T Rex that's also a zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was uh, a lot. So much fun. Yeah, uh, I gotta look at that villain. Uh, oh, and Martin Joe. Sheesh, I was going to get so many angry tweets. Morton Joe, yeah, thank about you. That. Um, okay, so <laughs> the students yep. from University of College. Yep. Uh, t- we talked about dumb characters before. The unfriended two cast is a Mensa level <laughs> intellect compared to these people. Well, At the- one point, so they their car breaks down. Uh-huh. So they're walking through the desert. So the filming locations for this movie. When they're going to their production team and they're going to the investors, they're like, all right, we need a desert and a warehouse. <laughs> we can like, get you a desert. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they're walking through the desert, middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And of course, one of the girls is freezing. And, and she says, the deserts aren't supposed to be cold. It's like, okay. So that is where we're headed. Yep. Um, Brock Bigface. Yep. The, the jock I think from, from University of College. <laughs> is he Gunner or... Was no, I think one of the, the, I think that was one of the soldiers. Oh yeah, Gunner was the the uh, racist face soldier. Uh, was it though? No, Ben Cameron. Johnson. Uh, yeah, one of those. Cameron. Yeah. So randomly, the dude has a gun on him. I bought it for my parents. <laughs> right. So one of the girls who is in a a wig that is Beautiful. atrocious. <laughs> 
she takes the gun and she was like, why do you even have this? She stumbles and falls and shoots the gun. No, it was vultures. There's like a screech from off camera and she's like, <laughs> oh God, vultures and shoots the gun. Right. And everyone's standing like two feet away from her do not get hit. And they're like, what are you doing, Karen or Betty or whatever generic white girl uh, name? Sadie, I think maybe. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, so whatever. So they see this bunker in the distance. They're like, we should hide out in there. There's barrels with like uh, Sanskrit, I think, or something on them, basically. Yeah. Um, what this did remind me of is the arcade game for Area 51. Mm-hmm. Or like maximum they, force. <laughs> they basically took the warehouse from that game and were like, this is our shooting location. Meanwhile, there's like a paintball game and a laser tag going on <laughs> right next to them. Some, some kid yelling out Marshall because he got lost in the maze. Uh, one of these soldiers who are all just generic oh, they, well, cutouts. They're, they're not, I wouldn't say, well, there's there's three that have like personality they tried with. Yeah. And one then, that w- does not have any dialogue yeah, until the and end. And one that is completely generic, generic face who dies immediately. Yep. Because uh, you have, you have a... Uh, Duke. Ra- oh yeah, you have racist, uh, McRacist oh, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gunner, yeah. Gunner, uh, Duke Fieri, who looks like a mix between <laughs> Duke Nukem and Guy Fieri. Yep, he ends. He spoilers. He punches out the Z Rex for about two minutes. Literally the first time we see the Z Rex. Besides the intro. Besides the intro, when them with like they're in this warehouse and they finally see it and they're like, oh no. He walks out there with his gun and they're like, don't do it. He puts down the gun <laughs> and then just puts up his hand like. A couple right hooks, knocks him out. The Xerox falls knocks over. Knocks out a dinosaur. <laughs> zombie dinosaur. Zombie dinosaur. Sorry, put some respect on his name. Knocks out a zombie dinosaur. That's just a much higher CR rating. Come on, yeah. John. Uh, Where's your D&D knowledge? <laughs> right. That stands for challenge rating to the D&D listeners. Hey, good job, um, John. You are learning. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and then just goes on about his business. <laughs> there are. But he got kind of, he, the classic, he kind of got bit during it, so he turns into a zombie. Spoilers. Right. And looks like the Incredible Hulk. Yep. He is the only one who, during his transformation, they actually put, like, some green gels or whatever over the lighting, and they basically tried to make it look like the Incredible Hulk. Nobody else gets that. Nope. Uh, generic Black Soldier does mm-hmm. not get that. Uh, what is his name? Uh, oh, his name is Swat. Yeah. <laughs> of course it is. His name is... Oh, no. Is it Stick or Swat? Uh, oh, he's, he's Stick. I do like how I'm looking at IMDb. Yeah. So you have Government Agent. Yep. That was uh, the vampire. Uh, uh, probably. Yeah. Gunner, Sadie, Cameron, Stick, Duke, Kuchia, <laughs> Spivey, Roxanne, Swat, Student, the Dean, and Student, and Student. <laughs> so, but all, how did we forget that in the intro of the movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know that we've been going all over the place, but the intro of the movie says, has like a weird title card. Oh, yeah. But it was like, an outbreak happened. Five soldiers went in. <laughs> Two soldiers came out. One told the story. It was like, so you just told us what happened. Thanks, guys. You it, spoiled your own movie. Well, that was was that after that was after the college scene, though, wasn't it? Because they had like the second credits type thing. Because it's like there's right, a meteor cold open. Like there's a meteor headed for Earth. Yeah, what happened with that? It, does, it causes an EMP to makes a CGI helicopter blow up, and nobody cares about it. <laughs> like it, like the four soldiers pull up, huh. the helicopter lands behind them. It's, oh yeah, the shot is following them. The helicopter, yep. which is CG, like pasted on. Yeah, it's following them as they drive up to this location. They park. They do the slow motion walk out of the car. Mm-hmm. Helicopter lands. EMP meteor <laughs> goes off. Helicopter blows up. They're like, huh? Oh, well. That sucks. Nobody talks about it. <laughs> Nobody mentions it again. Yeah. 
Uh, let me see. So this is one of the. This is on IMDb. Yep. Uh, the storyline mm-hmm. or the summary for this one. A cracked. Oh, there are more than one. Sto- there. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are two storylines for this. A cracked scientist aligns with the axis of evil to bring down the U.S. of A. with EMP blast, zombie toxification gas, and an unleash on the ultimate undead killing monstrosity, the Z-Rex. When a hot-wired militia squad and a crew of college hipsters are thrown together to do something about it, chaotic predator-thunder action runs amok. That was also written by <laughs> Dr. Victor Borg, <laughs> right. which is the character of uh, Wojek Borg, which is in the movie oh, yeah. Evil Scientist. So I guess this is his brother who's on oh IMDb editing this. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, let me go to some of my other notes. Oh, so Raquel Pennington, a mm-hmm. uh, legitimate UFC fighter. Is shows up as Kuchilla. Kuchilla, yeah. Yeah. Has one line. At the end. Yep. <laughs> so as the movie is going along and we see these soldiers getting picked off, we're like, okay, started with five. No, okay, down to four. All right, well. Uh, down, down to three. Well, two of them are going to make it. Down to two. Oh, okay. And then one of them. Uh, oh, yeah, because I forgot. Like the mid credit scene. Mm-hmm. We see what happens to the <laughs> The one who told his story, which definitely could set up Z-Rex Death War. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, because the, the, the... So first off, one thing I think we've min- missed. Mm-hmm. I know. This has been a rambling <laughs> mess of discussion. Go watch the movie. It's worth it. Mm. Um, it is, it's a movie about countdowns, really. Oh, my gosh. So many countdown timers. About every five minutes, it cuts to a new countdown timer. Mm-hmm. Countdowning. Yeah. With no payoff. Right. And there's ones that go off. Literally nothing happens. And then nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> so like the, they build this tension with the typical action movie trope, like we sure. talked about, where it's like, deet, 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 nothing. <laughs> and then two minutes later, it goes to a different timer. With diff- and they're all different time amounts. Like, there's like yeah. a 15 minute, there's like a three minute one, there's like a 20, 30 second one. Mm-hmm. And it just, some of them do things, some of them don't. I guess yeah. it keeps you on your edge. I guess, but like, what is insane about this movie <laughs> So let me look up what year. Uh, let me see. Okay. Yeah. So, so Clash okay. of the Titans, yeah. one of my favorite cheesy movies, came out in 1981. The creature design for Clash of the Titans and also Jason of the Argonauts and everything was Roy Harryhausen. He's one of the first stop motion guys when you see huge creatures and skeletons fighting people. The effects from 1981 and earlier look better than the 2018 z-rex that we see in this movie how is that possible (laughs) yeah and there are some scenes in this where it is flat out a model oh yeah like when it drops down a cage you look at the perspective (laughs) against the wall behind it and you're like okay so that is a model toy that a t-rex is now coming out of they barely try to hide it and there's the (laughs) my personal favorite instance of the model Mm -hmm. is the humvee driving around through the big escape action scene yeah they're driving the humvee through the facility and it cuts to and it's like this remote control you can basically see the like antenna coming (laughs) out the back you almost see the guy the shadow with the guy with the (laughs) controller and at one point in this movie i'd forgotten that there was a zombie t-rex uh-huh how do you forget in a movie called Z-Rex, or the Jurassic Dead, about the zombie T-Rex. Because it got punched out. Yeah. And within seconds. <laughs> this is all, there's a countdown. They lower the cage. There's mm-hmm. another countdown. They open the cage. Right. There's a countdown. The zombie T-Rex <laughs> right. comes out of it. Duke uh, Fury right. looks at it, puts down his gun, and punches it. Yeah. And then it falls away for a while. And nobody calls it a Z-Rex. 
oh, in man. the entire movie. You can't call they don't never call it zombies in a zombie movie, John. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the ending credits mm-hmm. were done. The the first set of credits were done really cool. It's kind of like this comic book yeah. style. Literally within like two minutes of those credits, it goes into a different style that either they ran out of money, they fired that animator, <laughs> something happened. Well, animator as in Photoshop, like, <laughs> <Okay>. posterize. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. They fired that guy yep. <laughs> and apparently did not want to pay for the Adobe set of tools for that filter because it completely changes to something else. And then just, it gets terrible. Like, it looks completely different. And these are in the credits. This is like a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute credit scene that looks totally different. That was just bizarre. Um... The end of the movie spoilers is basically everybody becomes a zombie. Yep. Um, including the people who survive and they're just driving around and then they have a great I actually kinda enjoyed this in, interview with uh I guess Stick. Yep. Uh generic black soldier. Yeah, generic yep. black soldier. Uh in like the CNN like quote quote studio right. and it's like, So tell me about your story and he's just like, Well Tom it's because he's got the, he the a, zombie he has voice. A scarf over his mouth. Oh no, he does not have he is wearing the scarf. He has his sunglasses yeah. on. Well, yeah, when they become a zombie, they get their voice. Voice or something mm-hmm. like this. It's like, it's like, well said. You know, my story is just, you know, it's one people may disagree, but I say it my way, and this is how I think it happened. Mm-hmm. And then he like takes off his glasses and like looks at the camera. And his eyes are glowing zombie green or whatever. And, right. <sighs> and then attacks her. Yeah. And, it's yeah. great. Oh, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, that that was uh, the Jurassic Dead yep. slash Z Rex. Mm-hmm. Slash first in a series of possibly Z-Rex, Dead War. Uh, I will... Yeah, do you, do you want to get this one off? Oh, man. So, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, this movie is trash. <laughs> Complete trash. And the lighting of this, like, this is a dark movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it just... I just... Whether they could not afford lighting... Yeah, like, literally. Is literally, like, there are scenes where you can barely see what is going on. Uh, I even boosted the brightness on my TV, <laughs> and it barely helped. So, yeah, this is this is an ugly. This is something where, unless you really like the kind of Asylum Studios, uh, Transmorphers mm-hmm. style knockoff films, if you really like the that genre, sure, check this out. It is on DVD and video on demand. You can probably reach out to the guys, and they will probably just send you a free copy. Uh, but as as a movie, just absolute train wreck. It was trash. It gets an ugly. Jed, what do you, what do we, what do you give it? Well, it was the second best dinosaur movie I've seen recently. <laughs> wow. Uh huh. Um, I I love your when you say those people that love the asylum movies. Mm-hmm. That's me. I will watch them all day. Mm-hmm. You got to go in with the proper knowledge though, and you have to have you. you I personally have like to have a little bit of imbibing involved when oh, yeah. enjoying these movies. Yeah, I put that up on uh, <laughs> Twitter and everything. So you were having a Ghostfish yep. IPA. Yep. I was having some Dry Fly yep. uh, through your whiskey. Which I think that, that helps substantially. Yeah. So if, if you have the right group of friends, if you have the right, you know, state of mind for these things, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely one to just kind of sit back, watch a Mystery Science your Theater. theater uh, Mystery Science, yeah. Yeah, yeah, your way through it. Uh, I can't, I can't get anything else but an ugly. Right. But okay, it, good. It's a f- you had me real worried there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to mess up your whole ratings. Right. So you have to put in good, good, good. And Ugh. no, it, yeah, it's, it's a horrible ugly, but you know, it's so stupid. You, there's so much there that you can have some fun with it. Fair. You really could. 
fair. And we did. And we did. We laughed a lot. We did laugh a lot. <laughs> and I think I need to make University of College t-shirts. There you go. Uh, the University of College students. <laughs> college stayed all the way. All right. Uh, we, yeah, I think I might need to do it. Actually, I'm, I'm working with the new uh, t-shirt thing oh, that, I need to, that I'm going to be announcing soon. So uh, I will work so on that. So you too can get your University of College t-shirts. <laughs> uh, uh, no spoilers, but maybe. Uh, cool. All right. So uh, to recap this episode. Don't worry, he won't get far. Don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Uh, I gave a good two, had some problems in the third act, got a little bit slow, but a solid movie, especially about uh, the bio, a biopic about John Callahan, the cartoonist. Uh, representation matters. Like, this was a movie where it really did touch on a lot of those aspects of just substance abuse. And I think because of that, uh, I know, I mean, I was interacting with somebody recently, I will not name names, but, you know, they kind of hit me up on Twitter and they were like, I've been in recovery for a while, you know, and so I, this movie is going to be, I think, a little bit hard to watch for certain people because of how it depicts that and how just kind of brutally honest it is with that depiction. Uh, but yeah, so that got a good eighth grade directed by Bo Burnham. One of my highlights of the Seattle International Film Festival of 2018 absolutely gets a good. Uh, yeah, it was just it was solid. So awkward. So painful to remind yourself of what eighth grade was like. Yeah, it was rough. Uh, but definitely, yeah, tune in uh, this Friday for that conversation. Skyscraper got two bads. Yep. Because uh, it was just, it was ridiculous. It was bad. Uh, unfriended, dark web, two bads. Or did it, did I give it an ugly? I know, I said good. You said good? All I, right, I, I forgot I, to write that down. Uh, <laughs> I'm just so, a, a good and a bad. Let's see how much you care about me, John. I'm uh, sorry, now. who are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the Jurassic Dead got two uglies. Real. <sighs> I think you need a third category of this, like, or fourth, I guess. Yeah, just, I don't even know what that, <laughs> what it would be, but yeah, real, real ugly. But we watched it, and I will see if I can get a copy of Merwitches. Yes! <laughs> yes! That or the Zomnambi? No, wait. Tsunambi? Tsunambi, yeah. I'm pretty tsunambi. sure I could get Tsunambi also. Either one. Or both. Uh, oh, boy. We maybe this might be its own separate <laughs> spinoff podcast. <laughs> Uh, no, we're working on something else for that. Uh, it's true. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Ooh, cliffhanger foreshadowing. Uh, but yeah. So other than, uh, other than that, the upcoming things for the About to Review podcast. Tonight, I am seeing Equalizer 2 uh, with Denzel Washington. More equalizing. Uh, <laughs> he's he's going to come to the point of the equalizing. Uh, things and, have been equaled. <laughs> and yeah, so this uh, this Wednesday also there will be an episode of about to interview with Pornsack, Pichet Shote, and Aaron Campbell from their new comic Infidel. Definitely check that out. Those guys are awesome. Issue five of their five part series hits comic book stores and Comicsology on Wednesday. Uh, Aaron Campbell is also the host of Adventure Hook, oh, which yes. is a D and D podcast that is super inspiring uh, and just it goes deep into D and D lore oh it's great and i i i've just john just turned me on to it not too long ago and i mm -hmm. devoured a few episodes and it's both incredibly inspiring and they're, they're very open about like hey if dms want to use these hooks if they want to use these ideas please do mm -hmm. you know and I'm, i know as a dm i would i'm definitely planning on using some of those in the future um but it is also as a dm and a creative person the way that they just kind of the ideas the flow, flow out of yeah. them is is and a little bit frustrating at times, yeah. but also just inspiring. And it's just, it, it's a great podcast. I give it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. So, uh, check that out as well. And then Friday, Bo Burnham and Elsie Fisher, my conversation I had with them at the Seattle international film festival will be dropping. 
I love that episode. It was just it was so much fun. Uh, yeah, so check that out. So that all wraps it up for this episode of the About to Review podcast. Make sure to follow it on social media at About to Review. Vote for it on the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards. I will put that link below, and I will figure out which question number 10 is because i forget what the, what that one is but before uh for me on there worst person uh, in written question 10 <laughs> I, like, yeah. I forget what that one is 11 um, <laughs> best geek geek of the year something like that <laughs> so that, that will be there about review.com has full links to the show notes and guests facebook twitter instagram like i already said is the best way to get a hold of the show also about review at gmail.com if you are a film producer and you produce films like these ones I already get a bunch of emails with them, but go ahead and send them my way, and I will send it Jed's way, and then <laughs> we will see what happens. So, yeah, that is it for this week's episode of the About to Review podcast. I have been joined by... That guy named what? A.K.A. Jed, and I've been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. <laughs>